Welcome to episode 104 of Running Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hudfield, and today we have a bit of a bumper edition. We have the uh, the Stromlo Running Festival special, I guess. Uh, so we've managed to uh, talk to both of the 50-kilometre champions from last weekend's Stromlo Running Festival 50K. Uh, so we've got Mike Carroll up first, uh, who, who came through in a storming time of 3.41 for the 50 which was a new course record and, and, and a significant PB for Mike. Uh, and, and second, we have Juliet Sewell, who not only is it Juliet's first trail race of her life, it's her first actual race. And she's come home for the 50K in 4.04, which is a course record by about 12 minutes. And she was actually fourth overall up against all comers. So an incredible result from Juliet and, and, and spectacular running from Mike as well. And so we get some amazing sort of contrast between Mike's relative experience and, and Juliet's complete lack of experience, but both incredible champions. Uh, myself and a few of the Norg boys went down and had a crack at the 30K and the 50K races down at Stromlo in Canberra last weekend. And it was an incredible event. We, uh, we, we had a ball, actually. Uh, thankfully, had a chance to chat to race ambassador Rob DeCostella, who was on the mic all day long, a tireless effort from Robin, really inspiring to see him as we uh, started and finished the race. So thank you to Rob. If you wanted to go back and listen to uh, some pearls of wisdom from Australia's, still Australia's marathon record holder, Rob DeCostella, I uh, managed to chat with him during episode 87 of the podcast. Uh, so yeah, jump back and have a squeeze at that. Uh, before we kick off, I'd like to thank our podcast partners, Gaimia Allied Health, Base Camp Altitude, Fractel, Goo Energy, Running Matters Coaching, Raid Light, Ranulla, Cronulla Beer Co, and Coda Nutrition. And just a reminder to uh, jump on and have a look at the Jabalani Challenge by Max Adventure, which is on April 2nd up in the Kringai National Park. And uh, we've got a discount code for the Running Matters listeners in the show notes there. So you get a bit of a discount on entry. Uh, I believe they got a 12, a 22 and a 44K run from memory. Um, but yeah, cracking part of the world to go have a race. So jump on and have a look at that. Okay, without any further ado, I'll grab Mike and get him on. But don't forget to hang around to listen to Juliet afterwards. Uh, yeah, it's quite, quite a story. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Okay. Welcome to the show, Mike Carroll. How are you, mate? I'm good. Thanks, Paul. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, not at all. I, I guess uh, congratulations are in order. So first uh, in the 50K at the Stromlo Running Festival in a cracking time of 3.41, which I believe is a five-minute PB for you, Mike. Um, yeah. Yeah. We um, Last time I ran it was in November of 2020. Um, and, yep. I think, yeah, about five minutes difference. Um, and and so am I right in saying it's a course record, mate? Um, I think so. Mel, I, I caught up with Mel, actually, the run director on Monday and, and um, had a chat and she mentioned that it was. Um, so, yeah, that's always nice. <laughs> I love, I love how humble you are. I don't even know you've broken the course record, mate. I'd be shouting it from the rooftops. 
uh, how, have you, how have you pulled up after after that effort, mate? Um, not too bad, Paul. Um, I think, yeah, feeling quite good this week. Um, I didn't get to tape it too much for the race. Um, I'd actually planned to run six foot this year again. And so when that was um, cancelled because of all the rain that they've had up there, um, I emailed Mel. I, I had actually entered to the Stromlo when it was um, planned to be in last November and then it obviously got cancelled for COVID. And so, yeah, I just last minute I emailed Mel and said, can I jump back in the in the race? And she said, no worries. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the recovery, I didn't have much of a taper, but sometimes... I don't know, maybe it's not such a bad thing. It was just, um, it was going to be a bit of hit or miss how I went. Um, and I think, yeah, just having a few races and a few years of training under my belt now, I think I do tend to recover a little bit better yeah. from the efforts. Um, um, so, yeah, that's that's always a good thing. Yeah. Do you find in terms of that, I guess, consistency over the last few years, you don't need to be quite as specific in your race preparation there? You're obviously able to pivot pretty comfortably between six-foot track and the Mount Stromlo race? Um, yeah, I think, I think I always try and kind of um, keep a pretty rounded approach to training so that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on, you know, all sorts of different things all at once and, I think you can, I, I do like to do some race specific stuff leading up to races, especially if uh, it's really steep or there's some big downhills and things like that. Um, but generally, I think as trail runners, if you're doing, you know, most of the running I do, and you know, which is talked widely, is just pretty easy running. And I, I tend to stick to the trails. I'll do a few road runs now and then. Um, but yeah, I find, that adapt the adaptions that you gain through that um, are pretty good and, and give you you know a versatile um, kind of potential um, in, in races and um, yeah uh, it's obviously working well <laughs> yeah no it's yeah it's what um, about in terms of the um, I guess six foot track being cancelled I think for the third time in a decade, well, you've obviously done that race, you know, a number of times now. Do you, do you think we'll ever see it being the same sort of race? Um, you mean because it has been cancelled recently a few times? Or? Yeah, well, I guess in terms of, uh, you know, fixing up the roads in the Caves House and trail management, do they, do they keep plugging away at trying to, to fix these yeah. things? Yeah. Um, I think the race itself has got such good history. You know, it started a long time ago in the 80s and, um, I think it's, you know, revered amongst the trail runners. I, I, I always think it's going to be an important race on the calendar. And I know that the organisers are really passionate um, about the race itself. So I think, um, you know, I really felt for them this year because, as you said, there's been a few cancellations. Um, but I think it'll continue to be a a big race on the calendar for years and years to come just because of the history of it and uh, the six-foot track itself is a great part of the world. And, um, yeah, you know, hopefully after this year, touch wood, um, they can string some years together of, um, of hosting the event. 
yeah, and it's on. it's a great fundraiser too for um, the fireys up there, and I think that's an important aspect of it as well. Yeah, totally agree. And yeah, I hope it I hope it continues to be that iconic race for sure. I'd certainly hate to be a race director at the moment. They got their uh, their work cut out for them. Well, totally. What what do you think about? Um, I guess just quickly on six foot track having a you know a date three months down the the road that they can sort of push it to do you, do you think they need to sort of look at that kind of thing um yeah so do you know if they are thinking about a postponement date or do you think it'll I just be cancelled so. next year no they seem to be pretty tied to that um, early march start so yeah I yeah know. i'd imagine that they'll just go oh let's try again next year mm, yeah. uh but you know, if it, if it was to, it, it's hard to postpone a race though, isn't it? Because you've got to fit it in, in the year where you can still get the numbers that you would normally, mm. normally get because there'll yeah. be other races that people go to or, or just can't get to it for some reason. It's becoming a pretty tight race calendar these days, that's for sure. There's plenty going on. Anyway, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Lots it is, to choose from. It is good. It is good. Anyway, it was, it was great to see some sunshine down in Canberra for the race. Um the conditions seem really conducive to running fast. Is that sort of your ideal kind of race condition scenario? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I don't um, try and steer clear of the heat a bit. So um, it was a pretty nice day. Like maybe it was a little bit humid and I thought it was going to be a bit hotter than it was, but mm. we did pretty well, didn't we? I think it would have been harder for the um, – competitors that had a longer race you know finishing around lunchtime it would have got pretty hot and sweaty but um we started yeah i started in the last wave at 6 30 and um it was nice it was really enjoyable yeah um, i was pretty pumped 15 degrees and yeah happy with yeah that's for sure can't complain that's for sure i'd like, like to take you back a little bit and just work out where you uh came from in terms of running there mike where, where did it all start for you mate um so, Paul, I was a keen runner when I was at primary school, just growing up. I really enjoyed competing in, like, cross-country and athletics and um, things like that. Um, and so I've always had a love for, for running in general. I always think I may have peaked in year five. I made it to nationals that year and um, went to high school. And, you know, I was pretty competitive in like year seven as a 12-year-old. And then I just stayed at the same pace. I like I think my 1500 time in year 12 wasn't that much quicker than it was in like year seven and eight. Um, and so I have this, I'm, I'm try, working on speed and, but I just kind of rely on, on finding that speed and just trying to last for a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I grew up in Cooma, um, just south of Canberra here. And um, we, we live just in the bush and yeah, I just remember as a youngster, I always ran to school and I loved running on the trails and used to run with dad when I was little. And um, I was influenced a lot by my older cousins who were, you know, pretty decent athletes. Um, and so, yeah, high school, I still continued to run and I did athletics, but I probably um, emphasized uh, other sports like cricket and rugby and things like that um and then after high school I didn't really take running seriously I do jump in the city to surf and you know Sydney morning herald half marathon without much training <laughs> um and so I was 
a social runner. And it wasn't until maybe five or six years ago that I really got back into running mm-hmm. and trial running. Um, and so, yeah, I really see my running at the moment as having started five years ago, um, but having the history of um, running from when I was younger. So it's, I'm kind of enjoying at this later time of life, kind of rekindling that mm. um, relationship with running. I really enjoy it. And I think that's that's really important. I guess your, your running age is, is is pretty young in in most terms there. So yeah, it's all still pretty exciting and new, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Unreal. And look, um, th- there's certainly not much to see on uh, your your history of social media, uh, but there is a photo <laughs> of um, of you as a youngster. In, I think it's the Saint Moritz Ski Club. So you're a pretty keen skier. Oh, yeah, as well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we grew up, grew up being in Cooma, you know, we're only an hour away from the slope. So, um, yeah, I grew up skiing, which was obviously really privileged to do and, and I loved it. Um, I did a bit of cross-country skiing too um, at the time, so for school sports, things like that. Um, uh, yeah, I went, um, I went skiing after, after university, actually went overseas for a little while and since then, I haven't skied much. I think I ruined my, you know, I got so spoiled over in Canada that um, coming back to Australia, it's never quite the same. So I haven't been skiing for a while, but um, I do enjoy it. I really love watching the Winter Olympics. Um, I was just amazed by the cross-country skiers there, you know, in terms of um, the endurance and the training that they do and um, what they put their bodies through. It's pretty inspiring. Um, there's certainly some of yeah. the you know the fittest athletes on the on the planet in terms of oh, totally. you know, VO2 max and those sorts of things that's for sure yeah and yeah. so w- would you prefer to be uh running down a mountain or skiing down a mountain these days oh running yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah. i think uh, i think the skiing helps a little bit you know having done skiing in um maybe just having a little bit of confidence on the downhills like i'm not an overly confident downhiller on the trail for trail running but i think having that muscle memory of skiing does help a little bit just in terms of having a bit of confidence to maybe lean into the hill a bit rather than you know like the tendency to lean back a lot when we're running down the trails and um your center of gravity is an important thing to be aware of when you are kind of bombing it down a hill for your own safety um and for you know, looking after your legs and, and trying to run as efficiently as possible over the trails. Hmm. So, yeah, I think the skiing helped a little bit. It's a good tip. I like that. Fantastic. <laughs> um, and so where, where's the training ground for you now? You're you Canberra-based athlete. Where, where, where are the trails? Um, so I live in Ainsley in Canberra. Um, my partner and I, we moved to Canberra about three years ago. Um, and, yeah, we've been in Ainsley since we arrived. So um mount Ainsley, which is behind the war memorial um connects to mount madura uh and it's one of many kind of reserves in canberra um that we get access to great trails um so i run around here a lot and there's lots of different ways to do the hills and you run it in reverse and you know i never ever get sick of it i feel really lucky to have this in the backyard um and then being in canberra you know we're it's only a short drive to other, you know, great spots around the area. Um, 
And I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why trail running is so popular in the ACT. Um, met some really great people here and yeah, just, just a great group of passionate trail runners um, are here in Canberra. Are you running with a club down there? Um, not really. Like I do a lot of the training by myself. Um, I do once a week, I go to a run group um, uh, that's run by a good friend. He's a physio and a really passionate trail runner himself. And his background was in track running and he's just got fantastic insight into injury prevention and technique. And I got onto um, John after being injured about three years ago um, and just having that, you know, weekly session. And I actually now go to a physio, you know, once a month, um, which I never used to do. Um, and I'm just finding that that's just a great thing to do for me with the high mileage that I do in supporting my running. Um, so, yeah, Thursday mornings we do a run group and it's, you know, all ages and all abilities and we do um, like, you know, little intervals around the trails up at the Arboretum and, um, yeah, we just get really good tips on technique, not just for the running economy on the flats but also thinking about your body awareness when you're on the downhills and the uphills and um, trying to improve economy. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. And then, yeah, other, other social groups are in Canberra. There's lots of groups um, and I'll jump in some of them now and then. Um, but, yeah, not really kind of affiliated with one group. Yeah. Yeah, I, had a, I had a quick beer with some guys from the Queenby and distance runners. I think they were after uh, the Stromlo race the other day. They were seriously passionate bunch of humans. So, uh, yeah, it was oh, that's good. good. A little shout out to them. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit of race-specific stuff, I guess, if you don't mind. Um, it's always good for us guys in the mid-pack to, to find out what's happening up at the pointy end. Um, yeah. I'd like to know, do you have any indication in your training just over the last month or two that you were heading for that sort of performance? Do you have like a key session that you say to yourself, yep, I'm fit now? Um, yeah, I, I know. I, um, exactly know what you mean I think for me I find it a bit dangerous if I'm after that after that kind of recognition um on one specific workout or or you know I I think I was guilty of it maybe a couple of weeks ago I'll often do some workouts on the treadmill and the treadmill is obviously somewhere you can go to and you know the exact pace and you know your heart rate and so you can start to compare Whereas normally on trails, you have to run the same loop to really compare to anything you've done in the past. And this year, um, you know, maybe in the last six months, doing some hill reps on the treadmill, I, you know, finding it really hard to do what I was doing maybe a year ago. Mm. And so I really try not to look into it too much um, because it just, I don't know, there's no point. I think um, there might be a lot of different reasons why one particular training run you're not running quite as quickly as before and it doesn't mean that you know you've lost fitness or um something's wrong because to react to that can be dangerous you might then overtrain or you know mentally you might you know be down the dumps a bit because you feel like you're not at that standard so i really try and look at the long term in training and just 
um, you know, really cherished moments if I do have a good run. Um, but I, I find that if I've been able to put some consistency together in terms of training blocks, um, that I can be pretty confident about my base fitness. Mm. Um, so more so being able to do some higher mileage, which has taken a few years to develop, um, I know that I respond quite well to that. And regardless of, you know, how, how fit I feel or how quick I feel, I know that the base fitness is going to be there when I turn up to a race such as Tromlo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I just try not to put too much pressure on myself through those those. Tri- those training kind of markers. Yeah, but you're getting a general idea that, yes, I'm fit at the moment. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. And, and what sort of mileage have you been able to develop over that period of time? What, what are you kind of hitting at those peaks? Um, so I started off, like, so you go back like five years ago, you know, just started off with 50, maybe 50Ks a week. I think I could jump into running maybe a little bit more than someone who hadn't run Mm -hmm. at all because just because of my history of different sports and um and of running itself and so maybe after a year I got 200 k's a week and I often try and think of time and stress on the body too I know that we all get caught up in the kilometers of week or how much elevation you're doing but like you and I'd know that the your body doesn't really care about that. It cares about stresses and how much load you're putting on the body. And so some of my big weeks, my biggest weeks that I've done probably aren't the ones that have the most kilometres. Mm-hmm. It might be the fact that I've done a lot of elevation or I've done some downhills that are worth a lot more than easy miles. Um, so I'm trying to be a little bit honest with myself about that. Um, but you do get caught up in the numbers and I do too um so yeah last year I I kind of might go up to 160ks a week um but I wouldn't stay there too long and come straight back down um I know some some runners that I you know inspired by they can stay at that type of mileage for week on week on week and um I don't for me I don't quite see the benefit of that mm-hmm. at the moment and I quite like the idea of pulsing your training so that you're putting some load on but then giving yourself time to recover. Certainly makes sense to me. Um, in, in terms of that, uh, I guess, stress on the body week to week, do you, do you tend to tailor your training in terms of I've had a stressful week at work or I haven't been sleeping well? Do you, do, are you mindful of those other stresses there? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, whether I like take that advice in is hard (laughs) because I will set myself maybe a goal for the week and it's really hard not to just go and do it if you're not injured and you're feeling okay but you're just a bit tired because of work or you didn't get some sleep it's hard to know I'm okay to push through today or I should actually really be resting and not going and doing this 10k run today and I think that's a really hard skill to develop and I think I still battle with it it's it's yeah the body is just so complicated and to have the awareness and to develop that relationship with yourself is Mm. takes time and so I think keeping a training log is important 
um, to go through a period where you feel flat and then you can look back and say, oh, I think, you know, I'm probably feeling a bit flat because I just pushed through that week. And so if I can remember those moments in the future, then you're learning from your past and learning from the training that you do. Um, but I'm still developing that for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting um, a conversation in terms of, I guess, high-level athletes and, and putting the ego aside there too to um, to recognise that, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be you know, ticking off every box that I've set for myself this week. Very tricky. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to ask, um, I guess, about the first kilometre of their race and, and pacing that first kilometre. Do you, do you know exactly how fast you were running? So uh, you mean for the on the weekend for this Friday race? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. Set, I did have some Ks ticking off on my watch just to give myself an idea of where I was at. Yep. Um, the first ten Ks, I wasn't feeling all that good. I think maybe just because I didn't get much of a taper in. I think it's dangerous when you you turn up to a race if you've had a great training block and you're well tapered you know, you're jumping out of your skin. And so that first 10 Ks is, is dangerous. Like quick kilometres can feel really easy. Um, but maybe for me, which was a blessing in disguise, that I wasn't feeling all that good in the first 10 kilometres. Mm. Um, but I felt like the pace that I was going, you know, with my fitness, it, was, it would be sustainable. Um, and it's a perceived... Yeah, I just find the um, perceived effort is quite difficult in that first 10 kilometres of a race because you've got adrenaline, you know, and nerves maybe for, for the race itself. And you do have, if you have tapered, you've got that extra energy. So um, I do see a lot of people going out way too fast in a 50 kilometre. I think you can afford to maybe in the half marathon trial races. Like that's, that's a really speedy race where you can almost think about the finish early on. But 50 kilometres, the last 15 k's of a 50k race is tough, um, and it all comes down to how how did you pace maybe in that first 10 10 k's? Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. So you're just basing that off a of perceived exertion then for this particular race? Yep. And then I was just checking, you know, what the k split maybe was when we had some of those flat sections that mm. where those kilometres actually mean something. With, you know that that pace and um, I was maybe a touch under four minute Ks and um, for me on the flat, I thought that that was, um, that felt about right for how I was feeling. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. I like it. That's good. And, and what about in the last three Ks? Because you, you're certainly bombing down the hill back into the, the Stromlo hub. What kind of paces are you hitting for those last few? Um. I enjoyed it this year. So it's the third time I've run Stromlo and the first year, well, certainly the first year, um, I um, I hit the wall at about 30 Ks. So the last 20 Ks were horrible and I was just shuffling in and for, that, for the last three Ks of that year. And even uh, in 2020, um, I wasn't feeling great. It's so hard, you know, at the end of a race, if you've, if you've kind of exhausted your energy mm-hmm. just to pick up your legs and to get some type of, um traction going um but this year um i just still had some energy i still felt pretty good and so um it's when you know that you've probably got 15 minutes of running to go 
you can start to let your heart rate go up above your threshold where you certainly don't want to be doing that. Even in 10 kilometres to go, I reckon it's really important that you don't, especially on the hills where it's hard to know, is your heart rate going above a threshold that's unsustainable um, to keep it underneath that. But with three k's to go, you know, you can if you've got a bit of running in your legs, you can open the floodgates. And, um, yeah, it was fun to run quick at the end. It's good. Yeah, unreal. I enjoyed it too. It was, it was a good finish to the race, that's for sure. Um, yeah. I guess uh, speaking about you know, different aspects there, from 30 to 45 k's in the, the Stromlo 50 k's, where you get the bulk of that uh, elevation gain, and there's some, some pretty pinchy hills, including one that they tamed, uh, named the Mother. So <laughs> do you see that, that particular hill, I guess, as an opportunity to push hard or like the rest of us, are you going into sort of damage control mode on those steep climbs? Yeah, it's a tough race, isn't it, in that regard, to, to do that 30, 35Ks and then get the hard hills. You know, lots of races, they'll just be from the start, whereas this one is fairly nice, easy trail running and, yeah. and a shock to the system. It's an interesting exercise in pacing, that's for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I knew that they were coming, having done the race before. And, um, yeah, this year I don't normally check heart rate um, on my watch in a race, but this year I, I just was trialling something. And on those hills I knew that even though you're kind of close to the end, you can really blow up if you, if you go too hard. And it's not too hard as in muscle damage and things like that it's just your heart rate and and going above the threshold so um i just find tried to find a pace on those hills where um i wasn't motoring up them that i was actually conserving or trying to conserve as much um energy to have a good last five kilometers Mm -hmm. and in terms of finishing the race in the fastest time you can I think that that is a better approach rather than gaining some time on the hills and then just feeling, you know, feeling pretty rough after you put that big effort in. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the cyclists at Tour de France, you know, they're all on their power metres and they have these huge hill efforts and they're all looking at their data going, trying to lock in um, a threshold where they know that they can hold it for a certain amount of time. And you don't want to burn up too much energy um, because they'll be, you know, they won't be competitive when it comes to the final sprint or where, wherever they're finishing. Yeah, for sure. And I think burn, burning too many candles on a 500-metre stretch of the trail when you've still got 15 k's to go, it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense, that's for sure. So, no. <laughs> no. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad you're, uh, you know, you're conserving some energy there. I don't feel quite so, uh, quite so bad. Um, <laughs> now, we, we've been talking uh, with Daryl Griffiths from, from Coda Nutrition over the last couple of weeks about specifics uh, with fuel and uh, food and electrolytes. Do you, do you know exactly what you took in through the course of the race in terms of fuel to start with? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's a good question because it's something I've been trying to work on a little bit in the last year or so um, is the race nutrition. Um and not really knowing like what's best for me. You know, I, I don't really touch wood. I haven't had too many problems in all the races I've done with stomach problems. So, you know, I can have them, you know, I generally have gels or um, 
some of the sports mixes um, and I've never really had a problem with digesting mm-hmm. that. It's just trying to know well, how much should I have and do I need to take in more electrolyte and how much fluid and um, it's hard to um, come up with a formula that's exactly right because every day is going to be slightly different and um, getting tips of other people is really good but you need to practice it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this particular race, I was trialling a little bit more carbohydrates per hour than normal. Um, I think our six-foot track last year, um, I just felt like I didn't quite get the nutrition right and I didn't know uh, why. And I think I probably was just under-fueling, even though I was having quite a bit. I think when you're, if you're fit enough and you can run the race quite hard, you might need a little bit more nutrition than say a mid-packer who is um, running, not that they're running easier or anything, but they mightn't be running at the threshold um, that some of the faster runners could run. And so for me, um, I I had a sports mixed strength um, that was maybe 75 or 80 grams of carbs an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a 500 ml bottle um, every hour. And then that was getting fluids in it, had a bit of electrolyte in it. And then in the last 15 Ks, um, I just picked up a little bit of extra water just because I felt a bit thirsty. Um, And I felt good for the race. You know, in the past, I would have thought that um, 80 grams of carbs an hour is way too much. You know, I used to have maybe 50 um, for a race and I didn't feel sick at all. And so... um, for that particular race, maybe that's that was the right thing to do. Hmm. Um, but yeah, in, in training, I don't usually train with nutrition. I tend to go out in a long run, and um, I've kind of developed some fat burning abilities. I suppose it is where I don't need to eat. Um, but I do if I'm leading up to a race, I'll try and have some long runs where I do practice the nutrition, whether it's just taking the gels or noting down how much. Um, how many carbs I've had each hour. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then fluid and your hydration, I think you've really just got to adapt to the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and certainly, as I said, it was a slightly cooler day, so maybe less less need for for too much hydration there. So I was pretty similar, getting away with kind of five, 600 mils an hour, and that that was adequate for the day, but yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. There's, there's some change, change depending on the conditions. Now, yeah. um, we, we just recently interviewed uh, Nick Bamford, a Queensland runner, and he, he used Dave Goggins' theory that uh, you, you take people's energy as you pass them in a race. And he used the slightly grim expression, taking souls in the night. That, <laughs> I want to, I guess, relate that to your, your race. You started in wave four, so you, you know, you're right at the back of the pack from, from the start. And you're obviously passing people all day long. Do, do you find that was a, a positive influence on the race? Um, it, yeah, it was an interesting setup, wasn't it? Because once we did get back to the start of the first 20K loop, we were then with the 30K runners. So we were, you know, passing a lot of people. Um, um, I, did, I think it's cool to be able to run, see other people on the course. Mm-hmm. So sometimes... Um, if you start out and you're finishing at the pointy end of the field, you can run without seeing anyone all day. And um, that's okay, but 
I think it's fun to see lots of people on the course and it, you know, it can um, inspire you a little bit and, um, you know, certainly all day um, people were having a yarn or yelling out saying, you know, keep going and I try, try and do the same too. Um, I find that if I'm hurting a little bit and you do pass someone to talk about how they're going is quite a good tactic even though if you're feeling pretty crappy yourself, if you can tell someone else that they're doing well, it just distracts you from your own pain. And um, so I'd certainly had lots of opportunity to do that yeah. <laughs> on yeah. the weekend, um, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really cool festival where everyone does run, you know, together, whether you do have those couple of races at the same time. And um, it's just a, yeah, it's just, maybe a little bit like UTA, you know, you just get to see lots of people on the trail and having and running by myself a lot of the time in training, it's a good change. Yeah. And there's certainly a huge amount of positivity coming from everyone out there. It was it was a pretty good ride, that's for sure. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think I shared um David Goggins theory totally. <laughs> I think I can understand. I think I understand what he means. Yeah, I do watch a lot of his um you know, video clips and, and podcasts. I think he's a pretty interesting dude. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I feel like you might have just taken a little piece of my soul at the 20K mark when you flew past me on the uh, the cross-country track there at Stromlo. I'd actually, um, um, I'd actually convinced myself that this bloke can't be in the race. He's just out for his, his morning sort of tempo stuff. He cannot be running this fast. <laughs> <laughs> that was impressive, that's for sure. Um how inspiring is it to have the king of Australian distance running and still Aussie marathon record holder Rob DeCostella standing at the start and finish line of an event like this? Oh, it's so good, hey. It's, um, yeah, Deke, he's doing such good stuff um, for his foundation, Indigenous Marathon Foundation, and I know that that's been a part of the, the Stromlo Running Festival, certainly the years that I've run it. and. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he just chats all day at the start line and, and um, he said some really cool words even for, like when I left in our wave uh, just before we, we went. He was um, giving, giving people some advice um, about how to get through some of the tough times and um, it's so nice to have someone like that as a part of the running community here in the ACT. Um, I've watched, you know, some footage of his races and in the past so many times and it's, you know, to, for him to still have, the, I think he, does he still have the marathon Australian record? I'm pretty he I'm does. Not sure if he does. He yeah. still has it. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that amazing? Um, you know, I hope, I hope it does get broken soon. I reckon there's some young guys at the moment that are, that are running really well, but, um, He's just a legend and um, I haven't actually got to meet him yet. I've, I should have introduced myself or gone and said good day on the, um, on the weekend, um, but maybe next year or this November, we get to do it twice in the year this year because it, the race will be on in November this year. That's right, um, mate. No, I'd I, love I, to go and have a chat to him. I certainly went up and uh, I was a bit of a fanboy, went up and had a selfie with him. So. Uh, oh, yeah. nice. Well done. Yeah. You're better than me. Yeah, I got, I got a bit nervous, I think. 
yeah. <laughs> I was lucky enough to, we got an interview for the podcast late last year. So he was really yeah, generous with his time. And mate, the guy was standing on the mic for six hours or so. Like he just didn't yeah. stop. The, the endurance yeah. was unbelievable. So yeah. yeah, hats off to you, Deke. Thank you for uh, yeah, popping out to an event like that. Um, and, and on top of that, the, the facility there at Mount Stromlo is just fantastic. Like, Coming from Sydney, we just do not have anything remotely close to how good that place is. Like, you know, I'd finished the race, I'd had a hot shower, I'd gone to the bar and I'd bought a beer. It's got yeah. everything covered, mate. Do you, do you get out there yeah. regularly? Um, I often go out to the area and do some, um, I might do some running on the grass track, which is the cross-country course. Um, and we'll often go out for a trail run there as well. Um, but, yeah, if I... Usually if I do go over, it's to do some quicker stuff, maybe on the grass. And it's so good. It's like a, you know, manicured golf course. It's, mm. I know that they've hosted some national champs there and it's a popular destination for the, you know, for the really, really speedy runners to do training and um, to have some big events there. Um, and, and with the mountain biking too and the cycling that they do um, on the flatter track, um, I think it's just a, a big combination to have the facility there. And I think it gets used a lot. Mm. So to host the, the event there, I think that Mel and Steve and the organisers are pretty happy to, you know, be able to do it there because it does have such good facilities. Yeah, it's an amazing combination, amazing use of resources. So if, uh, yeah. if anyone uh, wants to go run or ride some amazing trails, Stromlo is the place to go. Um, I guess quickly, congratulations on winning the BTU 110K late last year. Um, how much significance does it hold to you that that was the Aura Long Course Aussie Championships? Do you feel obliged to go back and defend your title? Um, yeah, well, I was really honoured to to win the champ. I like that the Aura Long Course champs were were part of the that race on that year because the championships actually move around from race to race most years and so I'm not sure if this year that the long course is Brisbane again um, but at the moment I'd be I'm keen to go back to Brisbane and run the, the same race mm -hmm. um, um, yeah but I was really stoked to to win that um, a good friend of mine in Canberra um, won the championship the year before um, and to be a part of the Aura um, organisation is, is really good fun. It's just another, I think it's a great setup that tries to promote our sport and um, hosts some really, really great races that just inspire people to either just get out and compete or to, you know, really have a crack and look at qualifications for different um, events that are possible overseas we obviously haven't been able to do any running overseas lately but that's kind of the place to go to when you are looking to represent um or if you if you wanted to go overseas is that kind of thing in, in the back of your mind sort of uh travel championships um i'd i'd love to have the opportunity to compete if it, if i could qualify or um yeah, if, the, if we could travel and the time was right, that would be such good fun. I, I think 
there's so much to offer in Australia in terms of trail running. I don't really have a real push to go over to Europe or anything to, to try one of the races over there or in the States. Um, I just think there's so many to, you know, compete in in Australia first. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's great here. Um, but to maybe have an opportunity to, to do that would be awesome to go and meet some of the runners that I get inspired by overseas would be so much fun. Mm, yeah, for sure, mate. You, you can't be too far away, that's for sure. Um, and apart from potentially getting back there, what, what are the goals for, for the rest of the year? Will you be heading back to Ultra Trail 100K this year? Yep, yep. Um, so the race calendar this year, you know, touch wood, the body holding up. Like it's it's always fun to put these in the calendar, but I always find like they're just kind of good things so that you get out the door. Um, I just, I love all the training that I do. And we, like over the last couple of years with so many races cancelled, you kind of work out, do you run for the races or do you just run for running, say? And I I really love just running. And so, I, I of course, I enjoy the races. I think they're so much fun, um, but also kind of like the training too. But I definitely have some races planned. Um, I'm going down to Bright again in um, in a few weeks to do the Buffalo Stampede Marathon. Mm. Um, and then after that, I'll go to, yeah, hopefully if, if the Blue Mountains have recovered, I'll um, do the UTA 100K again this year. Um, hopefully run with Scotty um, again. That'll be fun. <laughs> you, you, got, you got a bit of a ding dong battle going there with Scotty Richmond, mate, over the last. Oh, few years. totally. Yeah, it's been. Where I think, yeah, the three years that I've run it. Um, uh, the first year, Scott, I think Scotty came thirteenth and I came fourteenth, and then the second year I ran it, I came fifth and he came sixth, and then last year, um, he came seventh and I came eighth. So, <laughs> um, I don't know what. Hope, yeah, I don't. I don't know what it's going to be this year, but no doubt there'll be one place ahead. <laughs> you just hope you're one place ahead, mate, this time. Bit of motivation there. Um, yeah, he's a good, he's a great runner, though. He's so talented. Like, um, I kind of, I often go and research runners just to, just to get some, because I love kind of studying, running and training, and I'm always trying to learn. You know, I'm a bit of a novice in terms of my own, like I just coach myself, but I'm always looking places to try and find information or see what works for other people mm. and and scott has like pretty low mileage really um because i just think you know he must be busy and and he said to me that he can't do too much training just for injuries being careful on his body mm. um but when he gets to uta he always just um runs so well he's mm. got yeah obviously got good talent i did, i feel like i really need to do the training to be able to compete mm. um yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a talent, talented runner, that's for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. I guess in terms of that ultra trail race, you, you know, you've been in, in and around that 10-hour mark, in and around the top 10 for the last few few years. Where, where does the motivation lie in terms of going back there? Are we, are we trying to PB? Are we trying to get, get close to that podium? What's the what's the motivation? Um, I really... I. I love the area, so I think it's a fantastic race to be a part of, to run through the Blue Mountains. I think it's a beautiful area. And when I first got into trail running again, I kind of earmarked that as a real challenge and a, and a goal to, 
to you know to run the hundred kilometer, and um, I, my folks and my sisters came um, to help out the first year, and so they've come back every year, and so that's enjoyable too. Um, and there's so many people there you get to see, so it's just like a really good. I think it, it's one of the events. There's lots of events like this in Australia, but it's one of the events that you get to celebrate trail running for that weekend and catch up with lots of people. Um, and so I enjoy that aspect of it, um, just being a part of that. Um, and then my own kind of goals within the race, 100 kilometres is, you know, on hilly terrain. It's such a tough distance, I think, um, to, to kind of nail. And so I'm just interested in, in, in that fact that, does experience help you and um or you know sometimes you can overthink things a little bit for that race but I'm always feel that it's a race that I still feel like I could do better at it or I could fix things and um yeah you always see that with the longer races though don't you I think some people just get drawn back to it because they didn't you know they think they could run it slightly different or yeah yeah but um, hopefully you have a, some good training before it this year. Mate, 80, calorie, 80 grams of carbs per hour, mate. That's the key number, clearly. So, uh, yeah, just roll that through. <laughs> You'll be fine, mate. You'll be fine. What do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, yeah, very individual. But, yeah. Well, yeah, good luck in the, in the next sort of yeah, few months in terms of training and getting ready for that uh, you know, podium at Ultra Trail. Looking forward to seeing you there. Um, and, and congratulations again on the, the 50K win and, and course record last weekend. Um, it was amazing to watch you flying past, that's for sure. Uh, really impressive run. And, and, mate, thank you for your time. It's been some really insightful stuff. And, yeah, really, really enjoyed the chat. Awesome. Thank, thanks for having me, Paul. Cheers, yeah. mate. No worries at all, mate. Thanks, Mike. Good luck. Okay. Welcome to the show, Juliet Sewell. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm good. Glad that it's Friday evening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just about time for a Cronulla Beer Co. beer, I think. Um, <laughs> First of all, congratulations on uh, winning the Stromlo Running Festival 50K in an amazing time, four hours and four minutes, which I believe is a course record by about 12 minutes. Am I right in saying that, Juliet? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I believe it is 12 minutes. The woman who previously had the course record is actually also with my uh, running group and she got the previous course record last year. There you go. So was there a little bit of banter when you came back from Canberra? Oh, a little bit. They were all very supportive. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. And, and how have you pulled up after what seems to be your longest run on record? Yeah. So honestly, I've been feeling really good. Um, the only thing was that my coach has been telling me off for running immediately afterwards. He was like, "You need to, you need to rest and recover." And I was, it was hard to pull back. But um, yeah, okay. So have you have you pulled back? Have you done what you're told? Well, the day after I went for a run, and then I then I pulled back subsequently. Um, okay, but but no dramas, no niggles. You've been pretty pretty comfortable. No, not really. I've been really lucky that I haven't. Um, as I've like increased the you know my mileage over the past, well, it's been like over the past like over a year now, mm -hmm. but I haven't um encountered any niggles. Well done. So that, 
yeah, or injuries, which has been good. Well done, yeah. We'll talk about that increasing mileage because I'm really interested to find out how that all came about. But I guess, firstly, why um, why the Stromlo Running Festival 50K? What was the, the catalyst there? Yeah, so it was sort of, um, it just happened randomly. I basically fell into it. So I joined my running group, run crew uh, with a view to train for UTA 100 because I wanted some, you know, formal coaching. Um, and there are a group of uh, people within run crew who, um, who all are interested in ultra marathons. And one of the women, Katie Anderson, um, who has a very, she's competed in some amazing races around the world. Um, and she just posted in the group, oh, does anyone want my entry to the Stromlo 50K? Because at the time it had been postponed from November and it was going to be the week before six foot track marathon. And she was entered into the six foot track marathon. So she was like, I can't do like, you know, two races, two weeks in a row. Um, so I put my hand up and I was like, I'd love it. Obviously the six foot track marathon ended up getting canceled, which was unfortunate, but I did get to, get to race Stromlo. It's very fortunate for you. Fantastic. Definitely. And it was lovely to see some uh, sunshine down in Canberra as opposed to the Blue Mountains where it's been bucketing down. So good conditions for your race um yeah fantastic yeah definitely so i'd like to uh find out where running began for you Juliet. what's uh what's your origin story where did it all start yeah so i have been running like as long as i can remember i was probably i remember the first time i went for a run with my dad and my sister because my parents both were always running not competitively you know, just for enjoyment and to stay fit. Um, and I think, yeah, the first time I went for a run with my dad was probably when I was like nine and it was very painful. Um, but then when I was probably about 11 or 12, that's just a complete guess. But I think it was around then. I just started going for a few short runs a week and really um, all throughout intermediate and high school, I just ran uh, recreationally just for enjoyment and to keep fit. Um, I never really was a big uh, team sports person. Mm. So running was sort of my way of um, my main form of exercise. And yeah, I never ran competitively though. And I just kept running all throughout high school, uni and up to now. Um, and, and I believe uh, this was your first, not only your first trail race, but your first race since primary school, essentially. Yeah, yeah, it was my first race as an adult, I guess you can say, um, outside of, of cross country in primary school. Yeah, that's amazing. And look, I guess we'll get into the implications of what you do on your first race. Not too many people win the race and break the course record, but we'll get into that. Um, so you're doing most of your training around Centennial Park these days? Yeah, yeah. So Centennial Park is my stomping ground, I suppose you could say. That's where um, run crew trains and it's also like 700 metres from my house. So it's a pretty obvious um, spot to get some some kilometres in without having to stop at traffic lights, which is really annoying. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, in the lead up to UTA, um, been trying to go out to do the Kadumba Valley Road um, climb. If anyone knows what that is, they'll know it's, it's pretty tough and it's pretty good training for UTA. Um, yeah, so that and Centennial mostly. 
Yeah, I think most most listeners will know a little bit about uh, the Kanaba Valley and just how yeah. how steep and horrendous it can be at times. Yeah. Um, and how long have you been training with the guys at Run Crew now for? Yeah, so I started um, at the beginning of this year. I think it must have been, I think my first official day with them was like the 17th of January. Mm-hmm. So not long. Um, but since I joined Run Crew and had like a implemented like a formal training program as well as some speed work, um, my running has improved so much. Um, mm. So it's been really good. Yeah, I noticed one of your uh, previous, maybe earlier posts suggested that you had none of the gear and no idea. Um, <laughs> and so I assume Run Crew are, you know, teaching you the ropes in this respect. Yeah, both the gear and idea. Yeah, the post you're referring to. That was, I posted on Instagram after doing my first training run for UTK 100 and I went out to the Blue Mountains and as I said, I had none of the gear. So I had like a backpack with a, like a camelback bladder in it and the backpack was just an ordinary backpack. So it was like chafing, it was so uncomfortable. And I did, the run that I did was up Mount Solitary, which anyone who's done that will know that it's extremely unrunnable and it's also not on the course for any of the UTA races. So it was definitely a bit of a fail. But Your first first trot in the Blue Mountains and you decide to just get up Mount Solitary and back. That's, uh... It was the only trail I could find. I was quite stressed about like being able to find the trail. And I found what I was like, okay, this will do. Um, but, yeah. It's certainly a trial by fire, Juliet. You've yeah. done very well. And so I assume in the subsequent months you've, you've bought yourself a new new backpack and you've got all the gear now? Yes, I have. I've got the hydration vest, got lots of new shoes. Um, yeah, it's definitely an expensive hobby, trail running, but, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's fun. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, your marketing approach to trail trail running and consumerism soon, I think. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd like to know why um, you decided, I guess, to, to enter a 100k race, having done obviously no racing previously. What was the impetus there? Yeah, so I've always, well, not always, I've been aware of ultra marathons for quite a while. Um, I've always like read a lot. And I think when I was probably about 14 or 15, I read the book Born to Run, um, which was one of the first big pieces of media that sort of revealed the world of of ultra running um, to the public. And at the time, I certainly wasn't doing anything close to, you know, ultra distances, um, but it definitely made an impression on me. And it, it was always something that sort of appealed to me in some way. And I feel like I filed that bit of information in the back of my mind and was like, maybe I'll come back to that someday. Um, and then over the past year, in 2021, basically, what ended up happening was that just naturally, I just started increasing my, um, my mileage. Just, I don't know, I just started going on some longer runs um, and really enjoying it. And it got to the point where I was doing, like, I would run, like, um, like 40 to 45 Ks, like, every Sunday. And then I was like, I could do UTA 50. Like, that's not that much further than what I'm already doing. Obviously, it's on a trail, so it's it's harder. But um, so I signed up for UTA 50. And after I did that, I started to, like, get really into the world of, of ultra running and, you know, there's so much content out there now you know podcasts and people on instagram and 
you can look at people's Strava, so many things you can consume. Um, and then, yeah, I got really excited about ultra running. And then I just, uh, I switched my UTA 50 ticket for UTA 100. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Most people go in completely opposite direction. All, all that information does nothing but scare them into uh, reducing their distance. But uh, you, you've taken the brave step there. So kudos to you, Juliet. <laughs> I, I was uh, I was trialing through your last twelve months of Strava uh, before the show, and and you know twelve months ago we're doing forty k's a week. You know that's that seems to be your normal sort of weekly mm. mileage, and then comes December, January, just gone, and we're we're pushing up to, to 170, 190 k's per mm. week. Uh, how, how has the body adapted and handled that amount of increase over twelve months? Yeah, so I will say. It was only like towards the end of last year that I started putting all my runs on Strava. So the earlier part of last year where you're saying like 40 Ks a week is probably more like 100 Ks a week. Okay. Um, just because I got an Apple Watch and I was like, oh, I'll use the Apple Watch workout. Like instead of the, like I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, oh, this is fun. Like it tells me, I don't know you know, different stuff to what Strava, not really, it's the same. But yeah, so I didn't put all my runs on Strava. I was probably doing about 80 to 100 Ks a week. So it's not as quite of an extreme jump as as it might appear. But it was definitely still an increase. Um, Yeah, I think it started, so I used to run like 10 Ks every weekday and then do like a longer run on the weekend Mm -hmm. on Sunday and then have one day off. And then I just started increasing like two of the runs to like 15Ks instead of 10Ks. And then two of the runs to 15Ks and one of the runs to 20Ks. So that kind of happened gradually. But then, um, yeah, the big mileage that you would see if you looked at my Strava from like December, January this year was um, when I was in the Adelaide Hills. So I'm Kiwi, as you probably tell from my accent. Uh, my partner is from Adelaide. Um, and so because we weren't able to go back to New Zealand, we went back to visit his family in the Adelaide Hills over Christmas. Um, and they just had some great trails out in the Adelaide Hills. So I was just like all excited on this new, well, I'd signed up for UTA 100 at that point. I was like amped on ultra running and the weather was good. The trails were great. I didn't have work to do, so. Uh, Fantastic. So we just yeah, go and knock out 30-odd Ks a day in the, the wildlife yeah. park there. Yeah, and then just, like, nap and eat the rest of the day and do nothing. <laughs> what a lifestyle. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> and, and, and as I said, you, you've obviously been able to back up day after day with those sort of 20, 30K runs quite consistently. Um, I, I don't think most people's bodies would stack up to that. Uh, what, what do you think uh, sets you apart there? Yeah, so it's all of this has sort of been unintentional really, but as well as running, I've also been like strength training for like many years. Mm. And that started, um, you know, just around, it started in, uh, when I started uni. I would just do like little little classes that they had at the at the uni gym. Like I've always just been interested in staying fit. Um, and yeah, and then I just think probably having a, you know, multiple years of strength training basically has enabled my body to like be able to adapt to 
to more volume um, easily and also to have the like resilience to not get injured mm. um, when increasing my mileage. Yeah, fantastic. And, and what about in, in terms of uh, starting to do some actual session work with the run crew guys, have you, you noticed you've adapted well there? Have you, have you handled that increase in intensity well? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, with that as well. So I firstly, I've like got so much faster since I started um, doing that sort of uh, tempo work. Uh, because before I joined Run Crew, I never did any speed work. Like it was all just, oh, I'll just go out for a run and just run at what pace feels comfortable. Um, but in terms of adapting to the increased intensity, so previously, like as in last year, I would do a lot of like high intensity gym stuff as well as the running. And since I've started focusing on running, I just cut out all the high intensity. Mm-hmm. So I've just replaced that high intensity like gym session with like speed sessions and now I just do purely strength training at the gym okay yeah good uh, certainly makes sense to me um, I, I'd like to talk about some some race specific stuff I guess to our strongly 50k um, you give a really interesting perspective because it literally is your first you know yeah. trail race ever um, so you, were you confident you could lay down a time like this what were your expectations going into it yeah, so I had run 50k once before, which wasn't on Strava because that was when I was recording some runs on my Apple Watch. Um, and that was at some point in the second half of last year. And I think my average pace was like 453. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just around Sydney, like there was much less uh, vert or elevation gain. And also there were definitely uh, drink breaks. So <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, the elapsed, the average elapsed pace would be more than that. Um, but I knew, I knew that I could, yeah, that I could run for a, a, an extended period of time at a, that pace, which was comfortable to me. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, all the running, the running that I've been doing, like I know what it feels like to run 25Ks at like, you know, at a certain pace. And I know that that feels comfortable for me. And yeah, so in terms of the time, like when I looked at the previous year's course results, like I was fairly confident that I could go faster than that. Okay. Um, so that was like exciting, but it was also a little bit, nerve-wracking um no i love it i love the i love the confidence yeah you put it out there and, and you achieved it it's fantastic um I, i'd like to know about your first kilometer and pacing of that first k do you remember what, yeah. what that was well so with stromlo well i didn't really know the course but everyone went out fairly hard because there was like probably about three or four k's and then it turned into single track for quite a while so I think the people who like wanted to be competitive um were going out a bit harder so they could like get ahead of people before the single track you know because no one wants to be trying to pass a million people on single track um so I went out with the lead group because I think we were going at like 430 k um which I was like obviously not going to run that for the whole race but like at the beginning it was flat uh, it was easy. You've got lots of adrenaline going. Yeah. Um, so it felt it felt like a comfortable pace. Okay. Um, and I think in the beginning, the first few Ks, I was, there were three men ahead of me and there was one girl ahead of me. 
Mm-hmm. And she was like really like pushing, like going really fast at the beginning. And I was like, either she's like insanely fit and like going to smash this race or she's going to slow down a lot. Yeah. Um, and what happened is I think I was about fourth, no, fifth after the three men and then the woman. And then I overtook one of the men. And then at the first hill, I overtook uh, the woman and a couple of other guys. And after then, I like didn't see her for the rest of the race. No, 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 no. Nor many of the men. There was only a couple in front of yeah. me by the finish anyway. So yeah. yeah, there were only two in front of me when I finished. But then I, the guy who won, he was in the last start way. Yeah. So that's how he snuck ahead. <laughs> yeah, he was a bit sneaky, Mike, but he, uh, he was certainly on a bloody fast time, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about the last three Ks? You know, bombing down back into Stromlo sort of central, uh, how, how quick were you able to turn over those legs? Oh, I think the last three Ks were pretty good. It was probably like four. Well, I think I definitely got faster at the end because the last bit you're going downhill. So I was probably going like 4.40 something. Okay. okay. Um, and, you know, it was towards the end. Definitely by the end of the race, I was like, I'm ready for this to be over. Just because it felt like at the end, it felt like you thought you'd just gone over the last hill and then there was another hill. And you're just like, oh, I can't be bothered climbing another hill. Um, <laughs> and, <but and> yeah. <laughs> how did you find that, that sort of hilly section between 30 and 45 Ks? I mean, a lot of, lot of training in Centennial Park. Were you prepared yeah. for, for the hills? Well, I mean, Centennial Park, not really, but I'd done a couple of runs at that point on Kadumba, mm-hmm. and the hilly section in Stromlo is, it's like a molehill compared to Kadumba. So Correct. it was definitely tough. Like I pushed, you know, up the climbs, um, but it wasn't nearly as painful um, mm-hmm. as a couple of training runs I've done. It's good. Train hard, race easy. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and look, you, you seem to have a, uh, a fairly scientific approach to some of this stuff. Um, like to talk about fuel and fluid and electrolytes. Do you have a bit of a plan in mind going into the race there? Yeah. So I definitely knew what I was going to do. So I had, um, obviously I've never raced before, but I've done a couple of long runs where I've like tried to fuel properly and, um, as, as I would for a race. So I had, um, obviously I had breakfast in the morning, had granola mm-hmm. and coffee and I had like a glass of water with an electrolyte tablet in it. Um, and then for the run, I just had a gel, I think every 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just kept drinking as felt comfortable. Um, Cause it's, it's not like it's like, like with a 50K race, like obviously you have to feel properly but it's not like you're trying to do like a hundred miles. So you're probably not going to completely crash and burn, hmm. you know. One would hope not. <laughs> One would hope not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so quite simple then, yeah. Um, and, and did you have some advice in that regard or was that just a uh, trial and error kind of situation for yourself? No, that was definitely like um, when I first joined Run Crew, like my coach and I uh, talked a bit about, you know, what I was eating before runs and during runs, and he gave me advice on what I should be doing, basically. Mm-hmm. And who is coaching your run crew? So Gary, Gary. Yeah. Now I'm gonna forget <laughs> his surname. We've we've I'm had a few sure. of uh, 
few of Gary, Gary's... Uh... Gary Howard. I thought it was Gary Howard, but I didn't want to say it in case it wasn't the right surname. Gary Howard is coaching me. We've had uh, Gerald McPherson and, and Paige Linegar oh, yeah. previously, yeah. actually. So, yeah, yeah, I listened to her episode. Spoken about Gary a few times. Uh, I think he's, you know, he gets a bit frustrated with the trail runners from what I can understand, yeah. for sure. <laughs> They're a different breed of humans. Uh, now, how did it feel for you to be passing uh, all the guys in the 30K race as you were sort of getting to the second half of your 50K? Did you find it uplifting? Yeah, it was nice, actually. I mean, because the, the 30K, the people who I was passing on the 30K, at least, like, they weren't the latest of the 30K just because of, like, the way it was, the timing and the course, the second half, the 50K course was the start of the, was the 30K course. Mm. Um, but it was definitely nice to be running out with a lot of people because usually when you go for a trail run, you don't see that many people. But it was nice to have people, you know, doing the same thing. It sort of made it less monotonous. Um, yeah. Yeah, some smiles out on the course. That was motivating, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah speaking of motivation, I, I was uh, pretty excited to see Rob DeCostello at the finish line and the start line. And I'm just going to assume that uh, you, you weren't born when he broke the Australian marathon record in 1986. Did, did, yeah, no, I, I wasn't. <laughs> did you actually know who De Costello was when he came across the line? No, I've never heard that name before. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's right. Some Australian yeah. running royalty, Deke. That's good. That's I wish I'd known. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should YouTube, YouTube his uh, marathon yeah. record. There you go. <laughs> I um want to ask a rain-related rain question. So with all this rain, has the running short tan line finally diminished? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's sort of it's definitely got less noticeable, but it's definitely still there. I think it's like a permanent fixture at this point. <laughs> that's right. You've earned that one. That's there's some K's yeah. out there, that's for sure. Yeah. So I, I want to potentially get this wrong, but I, I want to quickly run through your uh, educational resume there. So you graduated from Master of Science in International Business at Leonardo da Vinci uh, yeah, University. That's not me. No? That's not me. Ah, right. Were you a PhD student in quantum computing of some description? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, so I graduated with a... Bachelor of Science Honours um, Physics and Maths from the University of Auckland. Okay. And then I came to Sydney and I am currently um, pursuing my PhD in physics and uh, quantum computing. Fantastic. So just yeah. your uh, your regular day-to-day science degree, <laughs> quantum physics. <laughs> Goodness gracious. What can, uh, what, what can quantum physics tell us about uh, biomechanics and trail running? Is there any, any link there? Well... The problem is that like quantum computers don't actually like quantum computers to do like meaningful calculations and simulations don't exist yet. Mm -hmm. So we're just like working on getting the quantum computers existing. But then once we have a functional quantum computer, like you can imagine doing however many, like however complicated molecular simulations you would want to do. So you could certainly you know, imagine optimizing for all sorts of things, um, you know, for running 
working out what sort of fuel you should be having, what sort of yeah. supplements or all that sort of stuff. Yeah, okay. So, so working out the perfect formula for each runner based on a... Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, like yeah. basically if you can... Like quantum computers will be able to simulate really complex systems. Okay. So you could just simulate simulate someone running, I guess. Okay. And you're on the ground floor of this. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is pretty exciting. Um, it's definitely a, a field that has a lot going on at the moment. Um, it's still, it's not like in its early, early stages, but also we don't have like a fully functional quantum computer. So yeah, everyone's sort of trying lots of different approaches um, to try and work out the best, the best way to build a quantum computer. And that's going that's to come from Sydney Uni, then I hope. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, Sydney does actually have a thriving um, quantum computing scene. Okay. So, Fantastic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, the, the local perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, our, our Ultra Trail Australia 100K goals. Where, where does the motivation lay, and what could we expect to see for you, Juliet? Oh, I mean. Yeah, I see. As I said before, when I looked at the previous results for Stromlo, I was like, pretty sure I can beat those. Ultra Trail Australia is definitely a bit of a different beast. Mm -hmm. It's a much more competitive race. Um, so, I yeah, I obviously like I want to do as well as I can, but like, I don't think I'm gonna win. Like, um, just because I know some amazing runners who I think like yeah. I think they'd, they'd beat me, um, but that's fine. Um, I'm still young. So I really have no idea in terms of like placings, like what I would be able to aim for. So I'm just going to give my best effort really. <laughs> and see where I, that I'm, gets. Not, I'm not sure we're going to let you sit on the fence quite so comfortably there, <laughs> Juliet. I want you to put uh, all the training you've done in the last 12 months into that quantum computer of yours and come up with a time for us. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm excited to see. I think it's going to be a, yeah, an amazing, amazing race for you. And, and you certainly put in some incredible work. Um, so yeah, best of luck over the next couple of months with with the, the training with Run Crew. And, uh, so we can get out there. Yeah, fingers crossed. Goodness gracious, it's getting frustrating. It was, it was nice to run down in Canberra, but I haven't touched the trails since then, unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah. Been, even resorting to a treadmill run, which is just yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. my comfort zone. Horrendous. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, thank you for sharing uh, your your origin story and your race report with us, Julia. It's been really, really enlightening and yeah, it's, a, it's a really impressive result you put together there. So congratulations again and uh, looking forward to seeing what you can put together in a couple of months' time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Juliet. Thank you. Yeah.